Hello, how are you? During the next few days or perhaps the next few weeks, a lot of families and children and parents and grandparents face the, uh, an interesting time of when we're trying to make decisions about children going back to school. And uh, for some kids, it's gonna be back to a school desk in a classroom. For maybe for some young people, it's gonna be in a dorm room via Zoom or in a, an apartment via Zoom, or maybe it's in class. For others, schoolwork is gonna be taking place around dining room tables, and it's significantly different than it was last March when everybody quickly left buildings, but now it's like, how are we gonna do this in the coming year? So there are all kinds of, what shall we say? Moments of questions, moments of wonderings for kids, for young people, for parents. And it's the habit of our congregation each fall season to have a prayer for teachers and school administrators and students and so forth who are headed back to school. And I'd like to pray with you right now. To that end, for all those people, normally we're praying for direction and sort of educational progress. I think this year, though, it would seem that the direction we need is how are we going to manage this? What's it going to look like? Yeah, we want educational pro progress, but how does it come about? So I would like to pray with you and invite you to pray with me about these matters for everybody that's involved. And then in addition to that, after the prayer for direction, I want to give you a blessing. So let's pray together. Father, uh, we have people in the life of our congregation who are involved in teaching and leading and caring for schools and school buildings. We have children, we have young people, we have parents all of whom, Lord, are wondering, what does the coming school year hold? Is it two weeks on and then two weeks off? Is it two days on, two days off, or is it just straight ahead? Is it schooling around a dining room table? Is it schooling via a screen? In all of these settings, God, we pray for your grace. We pray for your protection. We pray, God, for your uh, direction when it comes to how our young people are going to learn. We want, Lord, our our kids. We want them to expand their knowledge of this incredible world that you've created and the history that's brought us to 2020. God, may you gracefully carry us through the very unusual school year called 2020-2021. May we get to the side of this and say, you have been very good. That is our prayer. That's our hope. That's our expectation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then, for those of you who are parents particularly, I would suggest that maybe you could step into this sort of practice, or maybe you wanna try this right now. If your kids are with you, could you walk over to them and um, in some loving parental way, an arm around the shoulder, on the head, whatever the case, maybe you wanna hold hands with them. And may you say this after me to your kids saying, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. That's what we want in the lives of our kids this coming year. Watch our social media pages in the days ahead because we're going to give you some more details on how you could use that passage of scripture in the lives of your children on a regular basis, maybe even a daily basis in the days to come. And let's continue to expect great Expect great things for the coming school year. Bless you. 
Good morning to each and every one of you here today. I'm very glad you're with us here at First Christian Church, to everybody who is um, here in the West Auditorium, to everybody in the East Auditorium, our friends in Lovington and each of you who are online, gathered in all sorts of places in um, a very unusual year. Uh, Let me introduce myself. My name is Wayne. I'm one of the pastors, and I'm very glad to spend some time with you in Scripture today. If you'll take your Bible, please, and turn pretty well right to the middle. Uh, Psalm 73, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can look at on your smartphone perhaps and just pick up Psalm 73. We will be reading a good portion of the scriptures there today, so uh, you, I might suggest that you find it accordingly. So I think if you've followed with, you know, done life with me for any period of time, you know that I was raised in church in a strong Christian family, um, and I remember, going, you know, our lives as a family Uh, sort of centered around what was going on at the church. We used to go to a church every Sunday, and I remember going there when I was a little boy back in Australia. It was a family church, and when I say a family church, I mean, it was my family, uh, because um, pretty well everyone in the building was my family. Um, Both sets of grandparents were there. One of my grandfathers was the pastor. One of my uncles was the (laughs) co-pastor. We might have had 45, 50 people, but we were all there, and my cousins were all there, aunts and uncles, uh, you name it, great-grandparents from when they would come up from Sydney, where you lived up in the mountains, they would show up. I mean, it was a family church. There were just a few other people besides family members, and um, I have about, I think, living in the town, if you want to look it up, is Katoomba, K-A-T-O-O-M-B-A. Katoomba, Australia, is where I was born and raised, and... um, I think there were about 10 of us boy cousins who always sat on one side, second row. We sat on the organ side. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Our, the girl cousins, they were less than 10. They sat on the piano side. And, and you know, so we would kind of look back and forth from cousin to cousin. But all the boys were on, from the preacher's point of view, from right there in front of grandpa was right there. And it would be common for grandpa to kind of point and say, hmm, <laughs> that sort of thing. So anyway... Um, Sunday morning worship was fairly staid and predictable. Ties, suits, jackets, that sort of stuff, even in Australia in the middle of summer. Sunday night worship was different, though. Uh, The hymnal disappeared, and people were allowed to simply call out whatever song you wanted to have sung. And um, I had an aunt who played the piano and a cousin who played the organ, and they they could play by ear. And so whatever you wanted to sing, they sang. Um, That was Sunday night. Us younger kids usually weren't there on Sunday nights because it off, the service often ran past our bedtimes. I mean, think about it. If everyone gets to pick whatever song they want to sing, you're going to be there a long time. They'll be past our bedtimes. And now and then, I suspect looking back, it was probably on the Sundays when um, we didn't have school the next day, us younger cousins were allowed to go. And I remember it sort of being a ruckus time almost, a free-for-all. You never knew what was going to happen in that worship service. And the songs took on, in some ways, I think a little more, um, a little more joy, mostly because if the song picker wanted to sing the chorus 17 times, that's what we did. We sang it over and over and over. And I was more often to say, Jesus, you could come right about now. It'd be good. You know, those, sort of, those sorts of feelings. I want to go home. You know, things like, I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus li-, And it would go on. I would say, Jesus, lift us out of here, please. (laughs) I found a new way of living. I found a new joy divine. Some of you may know those songs because you were in similar services. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Yeah, so you know it. You were there. 
Well, are you my cousin? The, the songs were happy, I get that. In my little mind, I must tell you, mom and dad are probably watching this service right now. <laughs> and I go, I get it, but I would say in my little mind, I thought they were never going to end. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Does, does anyone remember this? When I look upon his face and see the one, uh, to, something, something about his grace, right? When he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. Yeah. There were these songs of joy and hope. And I remember thinking, eight, nine years old, what if it isn't all joy? What if you don't have the joy, 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 joy down in your heart? What are you supposed to sing then? Now, I get it now as an adult. Back then, I was young. I get it. I I didn't see the big picture. And in many ways, the point of that worship was a recitation of we will be faithful to the call of God and to what we believe, regardless of how life is. That life may not be so good right now, but in faith we say, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Yeah, where? Right. In faith we say, I've found a new way of living. In faith we say, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. But what do you sing if life is really bad? For example, what what do you sing in the middle of a global pandemic that threatens our way of life? It threatens our educational institutions. It threatens our literal health. And it threatens the Big Ten. What about football? Where'd that go? For crying out loud, what about it's threatening my cards? Now, we won two games yesterday, but what's with the Reds being ahead of the cards? That's just not a good thing at all, let alone the Cubbies. What's with this? We're in the middle of this recalculating sermon series that examines scripture regarding unexpected and unwanted new approaches to life. When things are thrust upon you, you don't really want them. Today, we're going to review a psalm that is, in many ways, a faith statement. It's like what happened when I suggested that that was what was going on on Sunday nights when I was a kid. Because as we look at this scripture and this psalm in particular, we're going to learn that the Bible gives us permission to sing songs that ask difficult questions. May I remind you that the book of Psalms is basically Israel's um, hymnal, a songbook. And what we're going to see as we look at Psalm 73 today is that God is not afraid, God's not afraid of your questions. God's not afraid of any sort of doubting moments you might have. After all, think about Jesus. Do you say, well, he never doubted. Well, I, I get that, but think about this moment. In one of his most difficult moments, in the hours just before his death, do you remember what? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. What was he saying there? God, Father... Are you certain this is the only way? For real? We're doing this? I've got the angels at my beck and call, and yet this is the plan? Could we have a different plan? So yes, the Bible gives us room for questions on your part regarding how to manage recalculations that come along. So let's see how the psalmist 
asks these questions beginning in verse 2. He says, as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. I envied the arrogant. I mean, this is why I'm, I'm worried about my faith, he's saying. I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. When I think about the wicked, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. I mean, where, where are their, where's their pain? They're not plagued by human ills. Pride is their necklace. Their clothes, they clothe themselves with violence. That's what they wear. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They can think up things that are just disastrously, like at this drop of a hat. They scoff. They speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. I mean, they make all kinds of threats. These are not the kind of people that I want to emulate. And yet they seem to be ones, the ones, God, that are getting ahead. By the way, did you notice at the top of that psalm, it's not written by King David, whom I think we commonly think, well, David wrote all the Psalms. Well, he wrote many of them, but if you look at the, at the very end of chapter 72, Psalm 72, what do you see there? You say that, see that Psalm 72 in 20 indicates that the Psalms of David end at this point. Verse 20 says, this concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. And so moving forward into the rest of the Psalms, you have a variety of different writers, including this one is written by, it says a Psalm, of Asaph. Who's Asaph? Well, Asaph was actually appointed by King David. So this is a thousand years before Jesus was born. Three thousand years ago. This guy is writing. He's the, he was appointed as the chief worship leader for the nation of Israel. It was his job to stand in front of the temple and lead the whole people who were assembled. In essence, the whole nation in worship. And in that role, here you have the chief worship leader, his first psalm that appears in the hymnal is one where he says, I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And God, it doesn't make sense. This is him singing. They're not plagued like me. They have no struggles. COVID isn't messing with their bodies or their lives. Look at what he's thinking. Verse 13. Surely in vain. The wicked live one way, but this is how I'm living. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. But all day long I've been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. Note, by the way, that when the word vain is used in the Old Testament, it usually means worthless, and that's the case here. So you see, surely in vain, surely it's been worthless that I've kept my heart pure. What's Scripture doing here? Scripture is giving voice to the moments when it appears that living in a right or righteous way, it, it feels worthless. And he's saying every morning, verse 14, every morning, I get up and there are new punishments. Every morning I get up and wonder, how many new cases of COVID are there in Macon County since yesterday? How many are in the world? We have more than 21 million cases worldwide so far, more than quarter, three quarters of a million, 750,000 people who have died. And every morning, he says, I'm getting up wondering, where are the blessings? Instead of the blessings, I've got a plague with me all day long. Instead of going about my business and my business prospering. Instead of my kids going to school without fear. Instead, every day is this plague, this COVID. It's never ending. It's all day long. And it features punishment each morning. And do you notice what he says about the people who have no regard for the things of God? Verse 11. 
He says this. They say, this is what these people of arrogance say. How would God know? Does, God, does the Most High know anything? Here's this man singing in front of the, the congregation saying, these arrogant people are so far beyond the pale, God, did they even scoff at you? What's with that? They are insinuating and saying that you don't pay attention to the real world we live in. Because he says in verse 16, when I try to understand all this, when I try to get it in context, it's oppressive. I really can't manage this understanding of how well some other people are doing, and they don't even honor you. He's in a bad spot. He needs a recalculation. He needs a new mindset and focus. 3,000 years ago, this guy is echoing your private thoughts and your questions. I would suggest to you, friends, that apparently your thoughts and questions about your life are not new. They're neither new to God nor to humanity. For example, here you've got 3,000 years ago, but can I move forward 1,000 or actually 1,400 years? The Bishop of Milan, a fellow by the name of Ambrose, he indicated similar thoughts in the fourth century. When he was reflecting on this passage of scripture, it says, where as for me, my feet had almost slipped, I'd nearly lost my foothold. I envied the arrogant, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He says, when we think about that, I, he said, I want to give you a response, it's a prayer. When you watch the people around you who have no inclination to follow God and yet they su seem to suffer no ills accordingly, he said, ask God to direct the footsteps of our spirits. If we don't, they may fail, they may fall. We could slip into a kind of a morass and we would end up emulating the so-called peace of the sinner. But instead of doing that, he says, we ought to emulate what is good, not what is filled with shame. Why am I telling you that? Well, because 3,000 years ago, somebody echoed your thoughts. In the fourth century, someone echoed your thoughts. Your thoughts in the 21st century are not unique. What did they do in this moment? What did the psalmist do in this moment? And if so, what should we do in this moment? Well, I, we haven't read the whole psalm yet. You've seen the struggles, you've seen the questions. But let's see how Asaph gets a hold of his doubts and relations, his, his recalculations, pardon me, in verse 16. Verse 16, he says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. I was real freaked out by the whole thing. Until, until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood the final destiny of all these people. It says, all my doubts, all my questions only made sense. It only came, added up. I could only get to some sort of recalculation from within the context of worship. And once I got in your presence, then I started to figure out this mess. See, friends, it's within the context of worship it's within the context of God's presence. He's coming into the sanctuary. He's standing in front of the temple. He's going to go in. He's going to worship. It's within the context of God's presence that Scripture reminds us that he who watches over you, listen, friend, he who watches over you never slumbers nor sleeps. We are not as the arrogant. We are not as the arrogant who proclaim, well, God is inactive in heaven. No, that's not us. Absolutely not. Christians believe that God is intimately engaged in the way in which this world is moving forward, the whole cosmos. We believe God's intimately involved in that. 
We believe God is intimately focused on the lives of men and women and young people who choose to follow him through Jesus Christ. And in the context of worship, in the presence of God, it's where we experience both God in ways of power and mystery. And there we can echo the psalmist's idea. He says in verse, in verse 28, that he says, the, I, I get to understand this in the, uh, in, when I'm in God's presence, he says, there are all questions, sorts of questions, but as for me, it's good to be near you. It's good to be in worship because I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge and I will tell of all your deeds. And so there's the answer to the very real legitimate questions that you have and that I have. Why is life weird? Why is it so weird right now? Why is it in so much need of constant recalculations? We've had some event occur out in the lobby just a few minutes ago, and I'm going, oh, come on. But I suggest to you, friends, the answer to all of that is get near to God. Tell of all his deeds. I'd like to help you, and the people of this church would like to help you accordingly. Here at First Christian Church, we believe the best and only way to get close to God, to get near to him, is through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you'd like some more information about that belief, here's what I'd like to suggest you do. Either in the room with me here today, or if you're online, I want you to text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to the church's main number, 217-875-3350. We'd like to have a conversation with you. We'll start within the next few hours, as a matter of fact, if you reach out to us. Because you got the questions, I got the questions. The question then becomes, what are we going to do with the questions? It's a lot of questions, right? Can you respond to the call of Jesus Christ on your life? If so, I'd like to help you out, whether you're in the East Auditorium, the West Auditorium, Lovington, at home. Text the word Jesus to 217-875-3350, and we'll get back in touch with you. And in the meanwhile, I invite each of us to do what the psalmist does. He says he's going to tell everyone of God's good deeds. While in worship, he says in verse 28, as for me, it is good to be near the Lord. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. That's who I am. I'm, I'm declaring my faith, just like my family did on Sunday nights years ago. And I will tell of all your deeds. So our prayer time today, as we close together, as we close our time around the scripture, is to have a prayer telling of all God's deeds. And this prayer is one that you find in scripture, as a matter of fact. It's in Psalm 136. And what we are gonna do is um, Psalm 136 has a statement about God, and then there's a, the words of Scripture have a, re, a recitation that come right after that. They say, his love endures forever. As a matter of fact, would you say that with me right now? His love endures forever. Okay, one more time. His love endures forever. Because what you're going to hear is you're going to hear a statement from the screen, and then you're invited to say, his love endures forever. And friend, regardless of your circumstances, today in worship, Declare the nearness of God. Use this biblical prayer as a recalculating event. It's a recalculating moment, if you will. I invite you here in the East and West Auditorium to remain seated. Let's proclaim God's goodness together. We'll proclaim it across hundreds of miles, across the auditoriums. Why? Because we believe that our God is a God of unfailing love. Let's pray together. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. 
give thanks to the Lord of Lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens. His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. His love endures forever. Who made the great lights. His love endures forever. The sun to govern the day. His love endures forever. And the moon and stars to govern the night. His love endures forever. He remembered us in our low estate. His love endures forever. And freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever.